Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 46. Sam the Squid visits the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. The Big Chill Podcast, the holiday edition. This will be our last podcast of the of the year. I think potentially of the season, if we're going to call it that. It's it's definitely our last podcast of the season. I don't know if it's okay. our last podcast of the year. It's oh, our okay. last so, pre-Christmas podcast. Okay. Well, there you go. It's, Eddie, pre-holiday podcast. Yes. We're we're inclusive here. Well, we're post we're post Hanukkah though, right? So. Yeah, so and uh, we're lowering the window a little bit now. It's our first post Hanukkah pre holiday, last one pre holiday <laughs> season <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Heim to all our Jewish listeners out there. So, for those of us, for those of you that are new to listening to us, please be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, uh, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at The Big Chill Podcast. Give us a shout out there. We're posting more frequently now and we have some cool audio clips of our interviews, things like that. So definitely worth a look. I liked the, the last episode you referred, you told us, you told our listeners that we have some cool quotes on our Instagram. So I, was, I checked out our Instagram thinking that I'd get some like those Insta, like those inspirational quotes you sometimes get on, on like your Instagram where it has like a picture of a sunset and something like, a, a positive change is about to happen in your life. I was hoping for that, but turns out no. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And Wayne I guess Gretzky. the shame about Michael that, Scott. Uh, yeah, the shame about that is, and this will be the best transition I make all year, is that you probably could have used some of those inspirational quotes uh, after the Sunday that you had. <laughs> let's just let's just pour one out and have a quick moment of silence to your. Your, your survivor, which uh, died a horrific death after the Jets beat the Rams this weekend. Yeah, it was quite a disappointment. It, it's a disappointment, too, because all season I've been kind of saying, do you just pick the winner to just keep moving on? Or at some point, do you have to start thinking about who everyone else is going to pick and maybe picking the second best team you could pick with the hopes that the team that everyone's picking has this miraculous game and most people drop out. So at the time we hit, there were 35 people left. And now after the jets lost, there are six. So that was definitely the one where the vast majority of people went against the jets. And I questioned going Ravens just because at this point, I honestly think the Jags could be worse than the jets. If you look at some of the last games. So here's the thing is, I think the Jags are definitely worse than the Jets in terms of their actual quality as a team. That being said, the Jets are also terrible and they did their best to give that game away against the the Rams yesterday. Like, I'm not going to say that they are openly throwing games, but in that fourth quarter, they tried to let the Rams win that game. And... Uh, just the Rams. I mean, 
through dumb penalties and stupid little plays and a little bit of bad play calling, couldn't take it. I mean, the interesting thing about well, the Jets is in eight of their games this year, they've scored first. Like, so they have, a, yeah, it's not unusual for them to have a lead and blow it. They've made a habit of this. I mean, I guess you're right that they did try and blow it. Everyone must have gotten that memo, but the special teams uh, mailing slip must have got lost because the punter clearly didn't get the memo when he made a spectacular open field tackle on the punt returner. As a punt returner, I get sometimes you get tackled by the punter if you're you know close to the sidelines or something like that. But it was clear open field, and he just oh such a bad move. I mean that should have been a punt return for a touchdown. You cannot let a punter tackle you so aggressively in open field. You got to be able okay, to sideswipe that. It should have been a touchdown. The only thing I will say is to take any blame away from the kick from the punt returner who could have done a better job of avoiding the punter. He also had a blocker directly in front of him who just didn't touch the punter. Who just because yeah, like, you know runs. what that you know what that blocker said, Eddie? Oh, this is the fucking punter, the least athletic person on the field matched up against a guy going 35 miles an hour. He's got no chance. Yeah, but the unfortunate thing was he had two lead blockers at that point. And the one on the right blocks a guy, and then there's the punter, and then he has this guy to his left. And by the guy not blocking the punter he kind of directs him directly into the punter. So like it was a terror. Now that being said with the field position, they then got, they should have won the game. Like they, yeah. they had ample opportunity. I mean, one of the worst play calls of the year was that fourth and four where you're okay. You got, you got single coverage. I, hate it. I get it. You I have, hate it. You have man, you have man coverage. So you're, you're, you're just telling your guy go and beat this, but it was to the best corner on the jets arguably their only defensive player who's probably real NFL quality at that stage was on the field. And it's like, you need four yards and you're throwing a 30 yard pass downfield, hoping for the best, like so much more can go wrong there rather than calling up like a halfway decent play. And, and we, I mean, we've talked about this a few times to me, this is another example of McVeigh trying to out McVeigh himself because the whole game, they did not really take many deep shots. They played a very methodical run, short pass, run, short pass. Then it sucked in the first half. They got some traction in the second half. We're driving pretty good in the second half, just doing the run, short pass, maybe an intermediate pass every once in a while. Then on third and four, they go for a deep bomb to the end zone. And then on fourth and four, they go for another deep bomb on the other side to the end zone. Like if you're not going to throw deep, I get it. You know, you have your man coverage, whatever, but just get the first down. You're playing the worst fucking team in the NFL, get the first down and you'll get a touchdown. Like, it's not as if, Oh, this is such a stingy defense and we've got a matchup that we love here. It's like, no, just get a first down and you'll have four more chances to throw it deep and burn them. I mean, you saw what happened to the Raiders. Just take your time. Like, Oh, what, it's, it's so frustrating. What I also hate about it is, on I think it was their previous possession. They had a third and 10 or something around there, and they ran a screen. It was maybe third and 15, I think, because they'd had a penalty. Yep. And they ran a screen that had very little chance of picking up the first down. Now, you could argue that a screen on third and four, fourth and four, way better chance there of picking up the first down and maybe even going for the touchdown, but like a much better play call. What I also hate, and NFL coaches consistently do this, if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, run the ball on third down. If you really know you're going to go for it, 
because then, okay, you get stuff and it's fourth and four. It's the same as an incomplete pass. But if you, if you know, when you're ahead of time, we're definitely, and the, the, the coach who probably does the best job of that is the Browns. They very consistently on third down when they know they're, they go for it a lot on fourth down, they'll run the ball on third down, knowing they're going to go for it anyway. So a lot of times you're going to pick up the third down on the ground, but if not worst case scenario, you're in the same situation you were as if it was an incomplete pass. Like it kills me when, when you just see that. But anyway, I guess also we probably, cause I came into your trauma, didn't allow Sam to say, uh, say hello at all. <laughs> so, Hey Sam. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm genuinely amazed. We're still at the highs here. I thought we were just well into it. I just let it all happen. <laughs> I will also say I was genuinely concerned not generally, genuinely concerned, but also generally for your state of mind after that, uh, that yeah. chance to be, I sent you a text message that you did not, <laughs> didn't respond to. Then I just sent you another one being like, still alive, nothing. And then this morning texted Sam being like, might just be the two of us on the podcast tonight. Yeah, I was, I was pretty pissed. As soon as it was over, I just, I gave out like a good five second uh, explicitive scream yell, <laughs> like just cursing everyone in the world and then slammed my laptop very aggressively to the point that 10 minutes later after I cooled down, I had to check my laptop and make sure I hadn't smashed a screen. <laughs> I mean, does it, and not to try, I'm not going to try and rub it in because, but the fact also that the backbreaker in that game was Frank Gore is yeah. another real issue. The fact that you've got an 85-year-old running back who's the guy who's picking up the crucial yards is another killer. Well, there was just so like the last first down they get to end the game was killer because it was the most basic ugly first down play it was like frank gore the 55 year old running back slides up the middle falls over while catching it and rolls backwards. into a first down backwards, backwards. Like, he like, it was the he like, such an ugly first down he like shuffled backwards for three yards probably also the other thing i do think expecting immediate contact but because it was such soft coverage inexplicably when you when they needed it was like third and six or whatever just uh i know what we'll do we'll drop all of our secondary 15 yards deep so that if they do want to just throw for four or five yards this is going to be completed and then he just slowly backed up and fell over for a first down i mean just and look the real loser out of all of this is the jets they no longer have the first yeah. pick in the draft and they probably won't get it yeah it makes like, me so happy it's it's so dumb like it wasn't wasn't it there's this thing on wikipedia that pyrrhic victory i know we speak about it so much but pyrrhic victory actually got changed on wikipedia today for a picture of the jets win over the rams it's exactly <laughs> what it was right they have just i mean they don't want trevor lawrence now right and they're gonna massively regret seeing him absolutely storm it at the jags like it's gonna be quite painful for them whilst they're sat with donald well, that's so. This is the tough thing. Part of me feels like, why are you even starting Sam Darnold? Like, why are you putting a quarterback out there who he either is playing to keep his job or he's trying to get a job elsewhere? Like, if they'd kept playing Joe Flacco, they would have at least been able to, like, 
not that Joe Flacco is going to throw the game, but he has less interest in going out of his way. And Darnold wasn't incredible yesterday, but he was decent. Um, but yeah, and, and you have to say the other thing too is from their perspective, few things are worse. If, if Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback, that is 15 to 20 years of watching that guy play high level professional football and all you have to show for it is hey remember that time we beat the rams in that otherwise meaningless game and we hey guy congratulations guys we didn't we didn't have a winless season but now we have seven more one win seasons (laughs) good job exactly yeah i mean most people are rating him to the high highest of caliber of andrew luck who's been the highest rated QB to come out since he's come out. So, you know, that's, that's a long time of, you know, being the best. So yeah, it it is a generational talent potentially. And look, maybe in some weird universe field is going to end up being the better professional, like NFL. That's a hot take, Eddie. That's a hot take. I'm not saying that he will be, but it wouldn't be crazy. Right. Like we've seen this before maybe in some weird universe this ends up being like 15 years from now we're like isn't it crazy that trevor lawrence turned out to be a bust and fields turned out to be uh like hall of fame quarterback and the only reason the jets have him like they won four super bowls with fields all thanks to the fact that they won that random game against the rams but like i I don't know if i'm a jets fan i feel pretty rough today you're your butterfly effect there is crazy. Like I can just imagine this podcast taking off and we listen back to these episodes and you've just predicted that. Like that'll be one of those moments. That'll be a quote on Instagram, right? I'll be pretty happy if 15 years from now this podcast is still going and and we're quoting, we're, we're going back to... <laughs> happy for all here's the, still alive. <laughs> that's true. Here's the one thing wait, I will say. Well, if we, if, wait, wait, if, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's not unrealistic that all three of us are still alive in 15 years hey you never know we're life is an uncertainty well actually that's true we actually i honestly thought frank may have passed away yesterday (laughs) exactly (laughs) now now here's the other crazier thing when you think about it now i don't know if i'm trevor lawrence as to which team i personally would have rather gone to the jets because i'd rather the concept of like salvaging a new york team to me is better than just playing in the bum hole of Florida that no one cares about. Like, like there's just. Wow. Sorry to any of our Jacksonville (laughs) listeners. (laughs) I mean, I always used to think that Jacksonville was the, because it's owned, I can't remember his name, but it's owned by the guy that owns Fulham and he tried to buy Um, Wembley Stadium. And isn't, there was always this rumor that, you know, what is it, three Florida teams in the NFL, that if one of them was going to leave, then the connections for the Jags to go to London made the most sense out of all the NFL teams. So that would be even more of a bummer for Trevor Lawrence. He'd be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Oh, now I'm in England. Great. No, so that was actually what I was kind of going to get onto is, in a weird way, if you are him and you do want to move that franchise to London, obviously that's got to be put on majorly on hold during this, because of this pandemic. Like that's completely like not feasible at the moment. But if you are, if you do have a generational quarterback and you do think you're going to consistently be a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender, that's when you make the move because then you get to establish a real identity. Like the, the problem with relocating now, you move a terrible team to London and everyone's just kind of like, 
why am I going to go and watch this bad team? Like, okay, I'll go and watch it so I can like see the first the year or two. Yeah. yeah. The first year or two. I mean, obviously they'll be popular and sell out, but if they just keep losing, you know, when you they'll have a be shitty, popular and sell a out shitty anyway. quality, they'll, they'll be popular just because of the, the limited supply. Like there's enough NFL fans in Europe that the limited supply means that you would sell out 80,000, like an 80,000 seater stadium would sell out every week for the, eight home games you're going to have the problem would be most of those people are turning up to see the other team and that's not a good scenario <laughs> like no. it'll be one of those annoying Whereas, we always say this about um, it's really annoying when you come to london and you just you go to see i don't know like the Colts jacks or something like that and you see more 49ers tops or browns tops and it just becomes like a celebration of the nfl as opposed to like a genuine supporting of either team <laughs> Well, it's like saying the San Diego Chargers or now the LA Chargers. Like, realistically, when is the last time they played a legitimate home game? Because, like, if they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's it's like seventy percent Steelers fans. In you know what I mean? Like, there's it's really rare yeah. for them to actually have home support. And you probably would have had the same thing with the Jags in London. But now you have the possibility of selling people on. No, no, no. You get to see Trevor Lawrence. Now, Sunshine. I, I kind of yeah, exactly. I now. I don't know how well Trevor Lawrence would adapt to life in the UK. That could be a good reality TV show because he seems like he seems like a guy who might be a real like really stick out. If no. you move, yeah. move, Eddie, I'm just gonna say it. Can he do it on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke? Like this is the point, isn't it? Really? <laughs> but I feel like his persona has to be a very American persona. I feel like everyone in, in London and England will be like, oh, look at this sunshine. He's such a, an American homeboy kind of thing, you know? Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Why are we just these terrible people from the 90s with the way we speak? Well, remember the Well, because you are. That's, that's the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I've always liked about the London franchise is like what the name would be. Um, I think there's some really easy ones like the London Monarchs, the London Royals. But I don't know if you guys have got any, what is it, in Family Guy? They have the Silly Nannies. Is one I really of them. Like the, <laughs> I've been a big fan of the London Redskins for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it's free. Might as well take it. Or the, I mean, that's just the London Imperialists. <laughs> the Redskins is just in reference to the beef eaters and their red uniforms. You know, like that's 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 it. That's all I'm saying. So and so the patriotic. Red, the Redcoats, exactly. So patriotic. The Redcoats red is a good one. And then when the Redcoats play the Patriots, that would be an amazing matchup. That just writes itself. Yeah, Redcoats wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I mean that. That's actually a great story, isn't it? Like Super Bowl seventy, London Redcoats versus the New England Patriots. Winner takes the country. <laughs> now, here's the other interesting thing. Do you go London or do you go like England or Britain? Like, do you give it? Because do you want to run the risk that if you name it London, that people elsewhere in the UK are like, I'm not supporting the London team? Oh, yeah. No, you go more specific. You're like Watford. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Crystal Palace, Red Coast. <laughs> I like that you picked just um, a, with all due respect, not to that, you also piss off our Jacksonville listeners and our Watford listeners, but I like that you picked just a really depressing location yep. to have the team. I know enough <laughs> about London to know where to have picked it. <laughs> the, Sto the Stoke Redcoats. 
you could go for like a really obscure town and build a 90,000 seat stadium and like almost like I know he would pass but it's almost like I was thinking like like a Welsh town <laughs> like, oh. like Nestle the, or something like that the Clapham oh, Junctions dragons, right you could just you, you can name the Clapham Welsh Junctions the Clapham <laughs> Junctions that's a good one that's actually pretty good you could really confuse Americans you could just have them call the elephant and castle and then not have them know like are they the elephants or the castles you could it could be a whole it could be taking the Washington (laughs) football team to a different level yeah I mean overall I, I think I'm just I'm more angry at myself because I had questioned in my mind I knew Jackson was the worst team but then I back that up by saying I think the Rams are the better team over the Ravens and especially the Ravens had played you know they had less less rest they were still kind of recovering they had a big game against the Browns so I figured you know the Rams were much more rested and ready to go so that's why I ended up going Rams but it would be really nice right now to be one of five people left Frank a week ago all three of us picked the Rams as our NFC favorites so it'd be kind of crazy to think that the team that we think is going to win the NFC couldn't beat the Jets. Like, yeah, you can beat yourself up about it. You can tell, you can say it was the obvious game to lose on. You can do all that, but fundamentally, it was the right pick. Unfortunately, I, I mean, don't subscribe to that Eddie Hewitt philosophy. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, look, it was the biggest spread of the season, right? As well, the Rams have played two really good games before this, like both defensively and offensively. And then you're playing the Jets. Like, there was nothing that really dictated that you would. I did. This is all hindsight, right? That you've got the hindsight now of looking at that game and going, "Should have gone the Ravens." <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm pulling my but, full hindsight, even knowing the result. It was the right pick. I'll tell you who's not my defensive player of the year anymore. Aaron Donald. That's true. You can can go run off a cliff for all I care right now. (laughs) Hey, fourth quarter, he was good. But I mean, overall, not the most impressive weekend for the NFC. That bit, I will say. This was one of those weekends where it's starting to be, we already were kind of indifferent to who we thought were the NFC favorites coming into this weekend. Now it's just, a kind of bunch of meh in response to almost everyone. Like the Packers won, but they looked a little bit sluggish towards the end. Rams lost. Seahawks were workmanlike against Washington, nearly lost. Yeah, and I guess that brings up the the, the real junk pile in the NFC, the NFC East, which no one apparently wants to win, except maybe the Cowboys now want to win it. <laughs> and look, the Cowboys are probably the best team in that in the division so in some respects i'm kind of torn i think washington I think, might be better wait wait, wait. yeah do the, you the, mean like right now or do you mean like a fully strength cowboy both i mean i, th- I think i, I think the like, problem with washington is they need alex smith and he's not that substantial of an upgrade from Dwayne haskins but he's an upgrade no, the problem with Washington is they keep going down in games really early on and starting slowly. I think in their last five, maybe like all the even the games they've won recently, they're always down. It like the first half, the first quarter, they're always slow, and then they bring it back, and that's ultimately why they lost to the Seahawks. But 
yeah, they're just slow starters. They're just bad starters. Like Haskins had a terrible half, really good fourth quarter. Well, really good. Had a good fourth quarter. And yeah. I think Washington's the best team in the NFC East. To, to use one of my favorite Eddie expressions, I mean, they, they definitely lost the plot because in what planet do you have Dwayne Haskins throwing 55 pass attempts? I mean, that is insane to me. I understand even if you're down 20, 20 to three, you still have to stick with what you're going to do best. And it's not Dwayne Haskins throwing for 55 attempts. Interestingly, they had more, what was it? More first downs, more yardage, more passing yardage as well. Like, yeah, I'm, to hold the Seahawks to 20 is, is a pretty good accomplishment, I think. So their defense is good. If they can just get an offense that can stick with it and put up 20, they have a shot. Maybe. I don't know. I think I mean, the Cowboys would worry me the most in the playoffs. And then the Eagles, who probably have almost no chance of making it. You could at least say that now, after getting rid of Wentz, they're starting to look a little bit scary when it went on offense. Definitely more reliably competent, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had a great game. Three, what, almost 350, three TDs. Do you have another one running too? No, I don't think so. Yeah, he did. He had, he had one rushing as well. I mean, that was a pretty good matchup, Hurts versus Murray. We talked about that, the, the Oklahoma yeah. matchup. You mean Hurts versus Calamari? <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't, that's not my joke. That was, uh, uh, did I take it back? <laughs> that, that was, that would have uh, been a hell of a cutaway into like the squid. <laughs> well, Talib, who was commentating on the game, was one of the announcers. Oh, he, Frank, they're we, still letting him announce. Yeah. So we made fun oh. of him that previous week, this this week, and he called Kyler Murray a calamari on air purposely, not or in, he just said a, it so bad. He just said it so badly that he's called him calamari. Not a joke. Oh my god! I can't believe he's still doing games. That was the worst game i've ever heard someone announce on national tv that first people one are did. giving him like overall a good reaction to the, this weekend i i think i think people it's what i hate about people though is for the time being they find him to be humorously incompetent but if he gets the job consistently like i saw some people joking like he should be on monday night football if they gave him the Monday night football job, he's Booger. Like everything that everyone hates about Booger would be endearing if you were only getting him once a once a season. What 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 name would you less rather have? Oh, he should just go all out on the Booger replacement. He'll just call himself like Snotball Tlaib. <laughs> just just like really go for it. Doubling down on the booger. I mean, would you rather be a keeb Hewitt or Booger Hewitt? A keeb. Oh my god, Booger Hewitt. <laughs> Not even close. Like I don't know how any I don't know how anyone calls themselves Booger. I don't get it. Like honestly, I don't. What's the origin? <laughs> don't know. Like it's one of those things. Sometimes you discuss it, right? Like, how does anyone in the modern era call themselves Dick? Like, how do you, 
how do you get called Richard and be like, yeah, Dick, this is what I'm going to go by. That being said, there's an exception, which like our softball coach, Dick Van Ham, he's 79 years old and the Dick just suits him and his personality, but he's 79. If he were 19, if he were 19 and showing up and introducing himself and being like, Hey, nice to meet you guys. I'm Dick. You'd be like, really? This is, this is what you're choosing to go by. It's, it's literally, it's not even a funny origin story. Apparently he was a bad kid and got called a lot of names when he was younger. And then Booger was the one that stuck. <laughs> that's Wait, lucky. But that's, that's not a bad that's, name. That's, that's lucky. Not you like bad. In, no, not, not bad. Uh, okay. Not bad as in like insultingly bad. No, like bad as in like stupid. <laughs> think if, think if he okay, was just, so was like, he dumb by... or was he bullied? Like, <laughs> What's not to make light the, of this prospect, but think of he was just going by like the N word as his first thing. <laughs> just like, well, I got abused as a kid and I just, it just stuck. Great. He said, I was a bad kid getting into a lot of wild stuff. I used to get called a lot of different things, but that was just the one that stuck. Maybe it stuck on his finger. <laughs> I mean, who's like, picked his nose? <laughs> who's making fun of me? Like, I think I saw basically as a kid, the full range of potential insults when kids were being bullied. I never once saw a kid get called booger. <laughs> like that just never happened. So speaking of, I guess, analysts and hosts and things like that, the other one that they've started this year on Sunday night football is bringing in the political analyst guy, Steve Kornacki, I think his name is. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's so annoying and pointless. And I, I hate how they try and slightly make it humorous as if he's still kind of doing the political bit where he's like, oh, and then right now they've got a lot of momentum coming in. And if they can continue to win, they're going to bump their chances up to like 80, 85%. But if they lose, they're going to drop way down to like the 25%. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, oh, it's so annoying. Just Tell me what the odds are that they're going to make it. What's the percentage? I don't need you to give me a whole act and spiel about it. Here's the thing is, why does anyone care about the percentage? First off, I don't get that. Uh, like Last week, we kind of did it, right? When you told us, you told us the Dallas Cowboys had a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Yep. Now what's their percentage chance? I mean, it's such a dumb... I don't mean like it's... Okay, so five times is... Like, no, but you know what I mean? That's a legitimate <laughs> shift after a single game. Yeah. But and he was what, like, and that's what he was kind of talking about. And then he and he was doing the whole bit too. We'd be like, Dallas, right now they got a one percent. But if this game holds up and that game holds up, they substantially increase to a five percent. That's a huge jump, one to five. That's like, shut up. I don't care. Just tell me who the matchups are gonna be. <laughs> yeah, and the killer here is it's it was like probably like a funny idea. You're like, oh, election year. Let's kind of mimic the like election board. We'll do that. And as a one week gimmick, not the worst thing. I wouldn't yeah. have loved it, but but you're doing it for one week. But you know it's one of those things like did it for one week and they're like, people loved it. We gotta keep it. We gotta keep it. People love the percentage board, they love it. I mean, I guess Sunday Night Football has a knack for that because aren't they also the ones that do the terrible animations or is that ESPN? It is Sunday Night Football. Well, I think Monday Night Football started it and then Sunday Night Football also does it. But now the terrible animations are just everywhere. Out of 
they're out of control, terrible. And I don't understand why they do them. So for those who don't know what Eddie and I are talking about, if you now watch the primetime, either Sunday or Monday night games, they like to concoct up these stupid animations with the players in like different scenarios. Like the one that really stands out as being really bad was they did a wild, wild West theme. I think when Kyler Murray was in it and it was like the young, the young gunslingers in the wild West. And they had Kyler Murray animated walking up and they all look the same, which is they don't look anything like a human being. (laughs) They're like so disproportionate as if it's Madden 1998 where their chests and arms are really, really big and their torso and legs are really small. It's so, it's so pointless. I mean, I, and they love it. They think it's the greatest thing every week. One of the commentators will, will basically say, man, these animations, they're just amazing. (laughs) <laughs> they've they've hit that unfortunate um like sad medium where you can't tell whether they're being like intentionally bad or they're just bad and like you don't know if they're in on the joke not the announcers but the people actually making the graphics where it's like we're gonna do this kind of like kind of crappy graphics but that's the thing but you can't tell like, are they intentionally doing it this badly or are they just bad at it? And they think this is good. And you, the fact that you don't know is the worst part. I think they think they're good. <laughs> yeah. I, just, hope I, so. I just prefer it. Like even in, even with like American football and soccer, like I much prefer it when you just give them a big screen and a pen and they just start like drawing like all these digital arrows and like like kind of the way like Madden used to do it's like bam over here and then you've got like Gary Neville on Sky Sports doing it and the screen just becomes a mess like that's good like the gimmicky stuff save it for an election or something like that like in the UK whenever they have an election it's it's gimmicky it's kind of novelly fun because you know it happens like once every four years you wouldn't have it every week or something like that that's just the issue with the UK is you always feel a little bit like they're just copying the US and everything is being done, but with less at stake. So telling me that like breaking news coming in, Ohio's gone Democrat is way more exciting than telling me like breaking news coming in, like this constituency you've probably never heard of has an elected an MP you've never heard of. Like it's you know what i mean like everything the stakes are lower and so trying to build it up with the same level of excitement is just impossible well yeah but the problem with the uk election okay let's not go into this but the problem with the uk election is you've got like 649 of them or whatever it is whereas obviously and that's why the stakes are lower x amount of state well that's why the stakes more no, exactly. But that's why this, if you were to, if the US election, they were coming in with county by county results, which I know they do in swing states, but if they were doing that everywhere, if they're like breaking news, like LA County has voted Democrat and you're like, okay, we kind of saw that one coming. And then they reacted to it as if like, this is stunning. You'd be like, all right, cool. So following up with how much Eddie loves the percentage chance of winning who do you think so there's four teams right now that have a nine percent chance or higher of winning the super bowl who are they and in what order do you think they are so chiefs 
Chiefs are number one at 35% chance to win the Super Bowl. I think Packers are number two. Packers are number three with a 13% chance. Okay. Steelers then number two. Steelers are not even in the top four. Okay. Bills number two. Bills are number four at 9%. Saints? Who is Saints? The Saints. 538 still has the Saints as the 18% chance second favorite to win the Super Bowl. Well, if we wanted any final piece of evidence that Nate Silver doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, it's <laughs> totally clear that Nate Silver or whoever works for him did not watch Drew, B- Drew Brees play. I will say he looked slightly better in the second half, but this is a major, but coming off possibly one of the worst overall quarterback performances I've ever seen in a half, regardless of who was on the back of the Jersey name. It was his one interception. It looked as if a four-year-old who had never picked up a football before had tried to throw to someone on the side of the field. It was like a duck. It was, it was, oh, it was awful. It just floated in the air. It wasn't even near the receiver. It had no speed. It was awful. He looked terrible that first half. He slightly redeemed himself in the second, but overall not the greatest effort. Well, you could tell it was bad because obviously Drew Brees gets a lot of love from the announcers they're not going to just rip into him. So they weren't being as critical. They're like, oh, first time they've uh, had three and outs on their first five drive, first five possessions, like whatever. There was one moment where they had negative four passing yards, and that was like six possessions into the game. So like that was, that was kind of remarkable. But then the other thing about it too is on several occasions, it was uh, that pass from Drew Brees is incomplete. It was in the area of like Alvin Kamara and they usually do the in the area of when it's like potentially like uh, intentional grounding you know and they're trying to like justify it as like wow that was in the area of a receiver but this is just like him standing in the pocket and just attempting like a 10-yard pass but it lands like in the middle of nowhere 10 yards away from any receiver and just the only nice way to describe it was like wow it was kind of in the area of someone there like in another universe, someone might have caught that. Yeah, it was not the it's, greatest effort by Drew Brees. Did, but I, they kept it close, What did you close, say the right? Saints' chances were, they? What did you say the Saints' chances were? Of winning the Super Bowl? 18%. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, uh, when you looked at that Saints game as well, like one of the stats that was crazy was that they were 1-for-11 one, one for 11 on third downs. They just weren't converting. They weren't doing anything like offensively in that respect. But yeah, going on to your point, it was still close. Still kept it close. Look, I we were speaking during the game, and my concerns when it comes to the Chiefs grow week week by week, in the sense that they are sloppy offensively at times, and defensively they make plays, but they aren't that good, and, and they let teams hang in there and. I think eventually in the playoffs against good teams that will bite them. That being said, you also still a topic we've touched on for weeks kind of get the feeling in games that they're not toying with their opposition, but they know like we've got another, they're going to play in the game in second gear 
and they know like, okay, this gets serious. We'll go third, fourth, fifth gear on you guys. And you almost felt that in a way when the saints took the lead and then it was just like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll drive down and score. Like no doubt about this. Like when we need to put a drive together and score a touchdown, we're going to do it. Now, I don't know if you want to leave, you have want to have that mentality in a playoff game. That's my issue with them. And I don't know if they can flick the switch and go back to just a dominant overpowering team. But I do feel like that. Yes, that game was close, but it wasn't really close. Yeah, I, I agree. And going off of what, I mean, guess what you're worried about, it's kind of what they did in the playoffs, right? I mean, they didn't flip it on for a whole game. They would, kind of coast that first half either you know just be leading or even be losing and then flip the switch into fifth gear in the third fourth quarter and come back i would like to see them this year just dominate and win by 30 and and coast into a nice easy super bowl win and not have to sweat it out like that but honestly i don't know if anyone can beat them the issue is you just have to continue to just keep up with them they're going to score 30 from now on i think I would be surprised if they score under 30 points in a game. So you need an offense that can score 30. I don't think the Steelers are that offense. I don't even know if I think the Ravens are that offense. The Bills might be that offense. I think the Bills have a legitimate shot to give them a run if they can just keep going back and forth and scoring. But I think that's the only team in the AFC that can do it. And then once you get to the Super Bowl, the Packers – they could probably do it. And that would be a very interesting offensive oriented Super Bowl. That yeah. score might be 49 to 48. <laughs> the teams I think could, could could legitimately beat them in a playoff game. The Bills for sure. The Packers for sure. The Seahawks what about the Titans? for sure. The Titans for sure. I mean, so the Seahawks. can't beat them, Eddie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the team that, in a way, even though I think they might have one of the best chances of winning the NFC, I don't think the Rams can beat them. Yeah, I'll like, be I don't think one. I don't think the Rams can score 35, 40 points in a game against a decent team. So I wouldn't trust God. I think they're out. Here's like, one, Eddie. I, what about the Browns? Browns could beat them. I don't know. I think it was tough with the Browns. I don't know what their best approach to beating them is. Like, I don't know if their best approach is the Ravens game we saw and gunslinger and trying to win a game 53 to 50, or if it's ground and pound nine minute drives, we're going to try and win this one 20 to 17. Like, I don't know for them. And in a way that's would be my fear about them. I feel like the Browns need a playoff run under their belts. So they're a little bit more comfortable with their identity. Yeah, it's still impressive, 10-4 and four for a Cleveland Browns team. It's crazy. And I don't know if they give out awards for commercial acting, but goddamn, oh. does Baker Mayfield deserve one. Now, here's the thing is, in a weird way, right, everyone, because Baker was getting a lot of hate for nonstop commercial appearances, like early in the season when it looked like the Browns season was going to fall apart you were getting a lot of hates and a lot of comments of like this guy might be out of the league in a year and I'm having to see him 15 times a game in commercials. 
no way he's going to get rebooked for these commercials for 12 months from now. And now he's had a good enough run. He's probably going to get rebooked for all those commercials. I was never one of those people saying that, Eddie. I've been a been a fan of his acting skills, his acting chops no. since day one. But that's the difference. You would have been fine if at the end of this season, like if the Browns had gone like six and ten, if Baker Mayfield had re- like announced his retirement to just become a commercial actor, you would have been like, <laughs> "Great move, Baker! Great, <laughs> embracing your strengths." No, I, I like him as a quarterback too. I I genuinely enjoy watching him. I mean, I loved watching him in Oklahoma. And he's been, you know, really entertaining this season. So, does he yeah, go for a certain him. style. Does he go for a certain style of advert? Like, a, does he only do certain products, or the style is it just, just great, anything? Same. Is he just full on Merc? You know, whatever, just flash some money, and he would do something for like assless chaps. Like, oh, we could get him to do the Big Chill podcast Ooh. commercial for sure. I'd like to Insane. see him do the Big Chill podcast in assless chaps. How many <laughs> times do we have to go over this? No such thing as assless chaps. <laughs> All chaps are assless. It's redundant. I'm just helping qualify it more. It doesn't mean it's redundant. I can still say it, right? You'd be like, I wear my, I wear my, like, I'm even struggling to think of an equivalent. <laughs> it's that ironclad. It's that ironclad as a definition. Yeah. It's one like of open, the... What about like open toe sandals? Yeah, no, because there are technically there some are sandals, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just one of the universal truths, you know? All oh, chaps are assless. Should, should probably be an amendment in the U.S. Constitution or I something. Love, I love that universal truth. <laughs> Could put it in the bill North of pole, rights. South Pole, assless chaps. <laughs> yeah. Law of gravity. All... All ch- all chaps are assless. The last thing I want to touch on with the NFL, they wrapped up the Pro Bowl voting, and we discussed it a few episodes ago. Just very quickly, who do you think won QB, running back, and wide receiver for the AFC and the NFC? So AFC QB, Mahomes. Yes. AFC running back, uh, Henry. Yes. And what else? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. AFC. Tyreek Hill. Nope. Pretty sure he leads the league in in yards, or at least he leads the AFC in yards. Stefan Diggs. Oh, makes sense. He's having a, an extremely good season. And then the tight end is Kelsey. Pretty obvious. Awesome. What sense. about the NFC? Russell Wilson, quarterback. Russell Wilson is your leader. Yep. Uh, wide receiver DK Metcalf, yes, and running back Chubb. Chubb's AFC. AFC. Oh, whoops. Uh, Kamara, <laughs> that's not Kamara. Oh, you almost had it, Eddie. You almost had the trifecta. Dalvin Cook, yes. Well, I'm not going to give uh... it to you though because there's only two running backs in the NFC, yeah, <laughs> and then tight end. I'd be impressed. I mean, he's having a great season, but it, it's under the radar. Shoot, it's going to annoy me trying to think. Uh, give it to me. TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Detroit Lions. Former University of Iowa. 
Only, only bright pick. spot for the Lions. I think there's a lot of bright spots for the Lions. They're a team on the rise. Yeah, I, I think you do get a lot of bright spots. Like as you have your, you know, cardiac arrest and <laughs> like the, you get the like flashing lights on your on your across your eyelids as you as you begin to die that's that's as you start convulsing that's where the lions are right now oh i i i have lied there's one other quick thing i want to bring up about the nfl is my poor houston texans have found a way to lose (laughs) to the colts twice by fumbling within the five yard line with a chance to either win or tie the game both times. I don't even know how you can do it. I mean, the fact that they fumbled the snap to potentially win two weeks ago, and then they followed up this week by fumbling on the two with the receiver falling down and getting the ball knocked out and then losing the the possession. It's just amazing. You've got to, you've got to surely now just accept that that isn't just being unlucky that is just a wider issue of the issues with the Texans like one of several issues is their ability to game manage a victory from a good position yeah I thought you were going to call me out but yeah I agree <laughs> oh so you, you you're now saying that the Texans are bad because I haven't heard it over these past 15 weeks <laughs> yeah is this final confirmation the in Lions week, the playoff end of hopes. Week fifteen. <laughs> the Lions playoff hopes officially died this weekend, I believe. And the Texans playoff hopes died a while ago. But is this full on confirmation that both of them are bad? Yeah, they're not great. <laughs> they are not playoff teams. Okay, that's something. That's progress. It's, how many episodes so, is this? 40 this is 46 <laughs> the, the, nearly 90 hours of content just trying to drill this into frame the i guess the only other talking point right is that the patriots have officially missed the playoffs first time since 2008 that we will be having a playoffs without the patriots so kind of remarkable in many ways i think it's only the second time in the Bel- belichick era i think so very it would be kind of weird to have a Patriots like a playoffs without the Patriots. It's gonna feel a little bit strange. Do you think this solidifies the argument that it was Brady? Because their offense no, looks, is beyond terrible. Uh, well, I, I mean just think... Brady Brady had 370 yards last this week. Brady had a good second half. Okay, we'll it, change it. Yeah, he was playing against the Falcons, so everyone has a good second half against the Falcons. But oh, you just love it when the Falcons take a lead. You just know it's going to go the other <laughs> way. Yeah. The No, it doesn't solidify it. I think the thing this does solidify is any hope of Cam Newton like salvaging his career. Like He's out of the league, surely. Yeah. yeah. So you think the fact that their offense went from being a decently good offense when Brady was there to probably besides the jets, the worst offense in the NFL is less because of Brady leaving and more because of Newton arriving as the replacement. So I think it's two things. One is Cam Newton has been terrible. So there's that aspect. 
I think the second aspect, which Belichick has kind of um, admitted himself, is that they are now kind of paying up on the sacrifices they made to build Super Bowl teams in the past, like the final few years of Brady. So their offensive weapons, I mean, they have no one. <laughs> like You could argue that the fact that they actually nearly made the playoffs with the, with what they have on offense is might be one of Belichick's better achievements. I don't know. They really haven't had that great of a team for the last few years, but when it had Brady, they still found a way to make it happen. You still would have had Edelman. <laughs> I do it. I do it. Was gonna happen. <laughs> uh, yes, you would have had I mean, you one had, player. <laughs> you had Gronk for most of that time. Yeah. You know, like there were bright sparks there. You had Amendola for a little bit. He had a decent period with the Patriots. Like there were players within there to be reasonably excited about or feel like we're top tier NFL wide receivers or tight ends. Like legitimately now, I don't think any of their wide receivers should be in the NFL. Now, speaking about coaching performances, here's an interesting one. The Duke of Curse is clearly in full effect when it comes in North London. I mean, Arsenal are in a free fall here. And <laughs> week, every week, our conversation about are they too good to go down has to get a little bit more serious. But to make matters worse, the th- the, ignoring everything that's happening for them on the pitch. Arteta's comment after they lost that they have been better than the opposition in all, all of their recent matches and that things will turn around. He might be so out of touch with reality based on that statement that the the sinking ship might be well underwater at this point. Why'd you bring these things up? It's just so hard to defend. Because <laughs> also, like, going back to what you two were saying about the percentages, did you hear his... Um, uh, did you hear his like kind of pre, I guess pre-Man City um, Carabao Cup when they were obviously t- talking about the performances have been bad and stuff like that. Did you guys hear what he was talking about with percentages by chance? No. So basically what he was saying was obviously every game, basically he was saying every game is like 100% of the time and there have been times where we've only got a 7% chance of winning in a game because we're 1-0 down and we've come back and won and his excuse was like we did that against Everton last year. And then this year we've always been down and we've got like seven or 8% chances, but we lose them this time round. And he was like, that's how percentages work. It's like, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, even if the percentages are low. And it's like, no, Arteta, it's just, it's just like the Everton one. So let's just bring that in. That was, it was painful to watch because it is just the classic way Arsenal have performed this season. The only variance in this one was no one got sent off for Arsenal, but it was the classic thing where they start slow, they go behind, they then show a better 
they show the glimpses of what they could do. So like Tierney had a good game against Everton. And um, to be honest, one of the better things about Arsenal this season has been their wing play with like Saka and Aubameyang when he gets involved in Tierney. Like they've had good stories there. But then they just collapse again. And then they just continue to collapse. There was... It's just bad. It's really bad at the moment. And he's talking about how tomorrow's game against um, Man City is like a perfect distraction. It's like, no, you have a very real chance of getting thumped tomorrow. And um, I'm not, I'm trying to be optimistic, but that optimism is just slowly ebbing away at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to give the quick stat of in their last five matches in the Premier League matches, they have one point. The only other team that's done that bad is Sheffield. with, And they have a total of two points so far this entire, this entire season. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how bad it's become. Their, their last five matches, it's just pitiful. Four losses actually, and a draw. Actually, you did Duke a curse it with a Bama Yang. <laughs> I so thought I, that's I what Eddie was going to bring up. Said. Sam, let's be real. I, 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 you talked about positive stories. I don't know. They got J.K. Rowling playing on the wing or something suddenly, but like Obama Yang being out might be a blessing in disguise for Arsenal. He's been awful. How can you compliment their wing play? They've scored twelve goals in fourteen matches. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not complimenting it. I'm saying it's where they've done the better stuff this season. Where oh, better. Had... I guess it's it's relative. It's well, relative. when you've got people like Shaka in the middle, it's, it's very hard to look central for like but, I mean, good here's, options. Here's the issue, right? Is like, and it, it's almost fascinating to track this week on week. But suddenly, the gap to the drop zone is now only four points. Burnley won tonight, so now have a game in hand and are in a position to go above Arsenal. So to put Arsenal down into sixteenth, I mean, it is. Their saving grace is going to be there is only one relegation spot to play for, fundamentally, which we've touched on before. But I think there's a very live chance that they go down. No, there's still too much of this season for it to change. And they're, they're, they, they do still have quality players in order to turn that around. They really do. They're like this Lacassette, Obama Yang, uh, Tierney, Saka. Reese Nelson, like they do have Reece quality Nelson. players. Wow. Look, no, but they do. Look, no, no, they, no, no, no. They, With they, all due respect, Sam, I'm not doubting that Reese Nelson can turn into a good player. But the fact that in your list of quality players Arsenal have, Reese Nelson was like the fifth or sixth you had to name. I'm, I'm kind was, of no, 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 no. There wasn't like a this is the best, this is the fifth best. It I'm not like, saying it, but I'm just the like, fact that you had to dip you were dipping into the bag to, to fish out names like who we got, who we got. And the fact that one of the names that got pulled out is Reese Nelson. Is well, like over sign. like a 72 million pound Pepe signing or something like that. Yeah. You'd hope your yeah. 72 million pound signing would be decent. Hey, but they might win the Europa league. So you got that to look forward to be might, relegated might and, and, and win Europa. Who knows? I mean, the thing is Arsenal, Okay, it's like Dundalk, Mulder, these aren't good teams. But Arsenal actually do something and score goals in the Europa League. Oh, give me a break. And they've now had a run (laughs) in the Carabao Cup. They've now had a run in the Carabao Cup. They won the FA Cup. Maybe they won the Community Shield against Liverpool. Maybe Arteta is just all cup competition. And they're actually going to bring home the treble this year. (laughs) 
Sam, and joked, get relegated. Yeah, I've joked in the past that I'm like a week away from becoming the Niners kicker, or like all the various things. I could, I could probably sit on the bench for Dundalk. I mean, let's be real here about. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, could, couldn't you sit on the bench for any match? That's true. It's, it's, it's <laughs> no, no, really does that require skill? I, I get the point. I get the point. And that's why I said that there's a huge caveat to what I'm saying. But they are scoring goals there when they're not in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. When they play the blind school, they can actually score a few goals. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I, um, I don't want this to turn into 15 minutes of me just slowly tracking my. Oh no, this is going to be so awesome. great when they go down. I'm clipping all of this together. This is going to be great. This is what I'm going to think <laughs> we're going to do week by week. You defending them. Now, here's the thing: is I think fundamentally we're going to know by the end of this month uh, whether or not it's realistic they go down because okay, they're playing Chelsea next. You'd expect they're going to lose that, but who knows? But then after that, it's Brighton and West Brom. Now, if they haven't if they haven't finished <laughs> this month with at, West Brom. if they haven't finished this month with at least four points more, then things are looking bad. Do you think there was a, ever a point that Arsenal fans were looking at their calendar and looking at the Brighton West Brom back to back, thinking this? is going to make or break our season. <laughs> I mean, as hilarious as it is, Arsenal in previous years have collapsed in January. So if they're going to do that this time, yeah, we're in a relegation. Fight. Oh no! Well, hey, hey, look at the bright spot. There's not much further you can drop. So Can't collapse. Can't collapse anymore. You're in the basement already, so you can't collapse. You've got one in your last five. Now here's the question I have for you guys. Christmas is around the corner. You know, you get some gift cards, you get some money in your pocket. I was thinking maybe I go out, buy a new pair of shoes, put the Arsenal shoes on the shelf. Should I keep them going or should I replace them and see what happens? You got to see this season out. You wouldn't be saying that if you didn't want Arsenal in the league. (laughs) Well, here's the thing is I'm actually torn. I do know it it would really amuse me for them to go down, but as a Blackburn Rovers supporter and Odds are Blackburn are not going up this year. I don't really want Arsenal to be in the championship because even if they turned into a complete circus, they would undoubtedly win the championship the following year. So on the prospect of potentially relegated sides, if you are someone supporting a team in the championship, you don't really want one of the really big boys dropping down because it's just going to remove a playoff slash promotion spot from the following season i guess just before we sam the squid makes his reappearance though i guess the other two talking points from from the premier league weekend liverpool look as if they're finding finding their stride and also the jekyll and hyde united season continued and this time they actually turned up and put in a good performance and won six two against against leeds so two, the seven nil and the six two, two somewhat surprising results. Which one? Which one surprised you more? Um, I probably Liverpool actually, because Palace have been playing pretty, pretty competently over the past few games. But um, uh, when you actually watch the, 
most most teams are so that's not a, that's just a, a fact really isn't it it's like assless chaps right it's i i think scored the seven one, more goals than arsenal just to liverpool was more surprising um because leeds have actually been going slightly south with their approach recently they're they're hemorrhaging goals at the moment and it does just need teams to realize that and click with the best way to get around leads and they don't seem to have a, a way of stopping them like i know what you said about arsenal say what you want but they're not conceding tons of goals they're just not scoring any like whereas leads have the problem where they just cannot stop leaking goals at the moment so the concept of manu scoring like five or six didn't seem that unfeasible against Leeds at the moment, but the seven nil against Palace was, it was just ruthless, right? Whenever I, I like, I didn't see the full game. I saw a match of the day and Palace seemed okay. Stat wise, highlight wise, everything like that. Palace actually seemed pretty competent. <laughs> they just got absolutely destroyed by really good finishing and counter-attacking play. Yeah. I mean, the seven nil probably wasn't a fair reflection of the match. Liverpool deserved to win comfortably. I mean, seven nil was basically them taking almost every chance they had. So on another day, it's three, four nil. That probably would have been fair just to twist the knife a little bit when it comes to Arsenal, though, you're talking <laughs> about, you're talking about leads, the leads problems and leaking goals. They have scored twice as many goals as Arsenal. And uh, is it depressing that Liverpool and Manchester United combined this weekend scored more goals than Arsenal have scored so far this season? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, the, the good thing is like the knife's already been twisted so much that this just water off a duck's back now. It's just like, I hear this all the time. Like Alan Shearer actually, I think is probably the first pundit to, of any sort of caliber, to openly say that they're questioning Arsenal's like credentials. Are you telling me, you telling me I'm not a pundit it. of any sort of caliber, Sam? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. You're, you're a pundit <laughs> who could sit on the bench. Oh, good. If it's for Dundalk. Alan Shearer. For Dundalk's it. blind under 11s. <laughs> Mo Salah had also outscored Arsenal so far this season now. Oh, well, he's got a load of weapons around him. Here, here's my question to you two. Is, is the league over? No. No, do you know what? Out of the, I made that prediction preseason, right? That United would finish above Liverpool. And kind of wrote that off about six or seven weeks ago. And I'm not saying that I'm confident that will happen now, but that's a, it's a live chance. So you don't you don't think Liverpool runs away with this? You don't think that no. they're catching fire? They're catching form? No, you know, beat Spurs, just destroyed Crystal Palace. No, mm. I think um, I think their loss against Villa actually showed that this season will be unpredictable. Mainly for the same reasons as the NFL, right? Lack of preseason, change of circumstance, lack of fans, uh, especially even for the short term now with the new COVID rises. But um, I think the unpredictability will make this exciting. Like Spurs just got beaten by Leicester, so Leicester then um, go back into it. But you could easily see all of the teams up there beating each other at the moment, like, like Eddie said. Man, you could put in a hell of a performance with the Jekyll and Hyde and beat Liverpool. And then Liverpool could go thump Leicester. Leicester could then go beat Man City. Like, it just feels like there's about five teams where they could interchangeably have those one to five positions for quite a period. I'd say Liverpool are the best out of them. But I think it'll make it exciting because it isn't going to be like last season, where it's just two incredible sides week in, week out, battling it out. Um, I think this time will be really exciting. 
How yeah. close does it have to be? Well, I guess we're pretty much already there. I was going to say before the new year, but I mean, right now they're four up. I was going to say if they get to seven, eight up, is it over? The test is going to be when you look at their fixtures, their upcoming fixtures, if they stretch their lead at all over sort of January based on the teams they will have then played, then I'll say it's over. So if you look at their next few fixtures, they play Southampton away, they play United, they play Spurs away, and then capping it off now, now you're going sort of eight or nine fixtures into the future, but then they play City. So if you tell me after that City match that they are more than, say, five points ahead, then yeah, it's over. But there's every chance over the course of the next sort of 10 matches that they drop points in several of them. Now, I think all the teams behind them will too, and I agree with Sam in that respect. Compared with last year, where just the top two weren't fundamentally weren't dropping points. I, I, they could drop points to anyone. Like, it wouldn't stun me, you know, who Liverpool play West Brom this weekend, City play Newcastle, I think. Uh, it wouldn't stun me if either of them uh, sort of didn't win. I expect both of them to, but I wouldn't be amazed. But talking about making predictions for things to happen in January, chance for Sam the Squid to make his reappearance and to look ahead to the college football ball games that are coming up over the next few days and see uh, how well you can do. We can have another Frank versus the Squid competition here. And oh, I'm picking? Can, yeah, um, you got to like Yeah, you. this is... got to be a contest. This is, wait, wait. Is this, is this how you plan to get me? You give me no chance to like study or look at the matchups. You just throw me out there? Look at this, Sam. This shows that you've won. The fact that he uh, thinks he needs to do in-depth research to beat you shows that he's afraid of your innate picking skills. Oh, screw it. I'll, I'll take on. So for those of our new listeners, uh, Sam has quite a knack for prognostication of things relating to sports that he has no idea, like the NHL or the NBA. And now we're going to test it with college football bowl games. So we're going to just run through most of these quickly, just gut feeling. When we get to some of the bigger ones, can maybe let Frank give some logic, but most of these is going to be tough to take any kind of in-depth look at. So quick fire to start off and things get underway actually tonight. So our listeners, one of them will have already happened. Yeah. I was gonna say one's already, I think I saw it was playing. Well, don't take a look, Frank. So the first one is the Myrtle beach bowl and Sam, that is Appalachian state against North Texas. Who are you picking? Wait, wait, the Myrtle beach bowl. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Appalachian State. All right, Frank. I'll take Appalachian State. All right. Next up tomorrow, we've got the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, and we've got Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Tulane against Nevada. Who are you taking, Sam? Uh, um, Tulane. Frank. I'll go Nevada. Oh, we got all right. Next, we've got the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, and we've got UCF against BYU. Wait, <laughs> say that one again. 
<laughs> it's the wait these names what the fuck <laughs> it's the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl wait what's claiming the, what's... roofs is in like an insurance thing or I guess so roofclaim.com uh, so wait what does BYU stand for university but what's the uh, BYU Br- Brigham Young it's University Brigham Young the founder of Mormonism bring them young Brigham it was his first <laughs> name <laughs> So what kind of messed up university is this? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go for BYU all the way. All right. Yeah, I'll go BYU here. Zach Wilson, potential Heisman candidate. Yeah. Exactly. Niners Nation, close one here. One of the quarterbacks that uh, the Niners are hoping might drop their way in the draft. And just to confirm. (laughs) Yeah. Just to confirm. Yeah. And well, Alex Smith went to Utah, so. Got a history of drafting quarterbacks who uh, played in the Salt Lake City area. Roofclaim.com is the trusted authority in the roofing industry, residential and commercial roofing, roof inspection, storm restoration, roof repair, and roof replacement. We only use premium quality materials, not a sponsor. Up next, we've got the (laughs) R plus L carriers New Orleans Bowl. So I'll say that again, the R R plus L carriers, New Orleans Bowl, and that is Louisiana Tech against Georgia Southern. Frank, you go first this time. Oh, the classic college football matchup, Louisiana Tech and Georgia Southern. Licking my chops to watch this one. I will go Georgia Southern. Yeah, don't let him go first. I don't want any sort of inklings here. Squid goes first. But I would have okay. gone Georgia Southern. I would have gone Georgia All right. Southern. Well, then we'll let you switch to you for the Montgomery Bowl, which is Memphis against Florida Atlantic. Memphis. Why not? Let's go Memphis. I will also go Memphis. Not a lot of disagreement here. Frank is trusting the squid. Will you trust the squid in on Christmas Eve for the New Mexico Bowl? Well, I was going to give you a fact about the Memphis one, though, because we're not looking good because they've made it to, I think, seven straight bowl games, but they haven't won one since 2014. So looking for the first win. Well, New Year's Eve, the New Mexico Bowl, and we all know who Frank will be picking. No, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Sorry, Christmas Eve. We all know who Frank will be picking in this one because the New Mexico Bowl is Hawaii versus Houston. How? Why why is it called the New Mexico Bowl? bowl when it's hawaii versus houston is that like a division thing or what no because the bowl will be in, well actually this is really funny because the bowl will be in new mexico but it's actually in texas <laughs> yeah but i guess supposed should have been played in new mexico i am assuming yeah, uh, covid i mean i mean frank must hate hawaii so i'm gonna go hawaii that's just oh, that's yeah. just a that's just a retribution squid move there. You're, you're going with the rainbow warriors good luck with that Damn right. I'm going to go with the three and four <laughs> so Houston <laughs> Cougars. <laughs> Is that what they're called? The Houston Cougars? I'll take a Cougar over a Rainbow Warrior any day of the week. Okay, I'm taking that as homophobic. <laughs> All right, Christmas Day. Who's going to be getting the bigger present in the Camellia Bowl? Marshall versus Buffalo. I don't know if it's Did Camellia, you... Camellia. Can you Ma- give us... Marshall... Marshall is in the Marshall Islands. No, Marshall is in the... That <laughs> yes, no, yes. Marshall, Marshall is in the Marshall <laughs> Islands. 
<laughs> Did you never see the movie uh, We Are Marshall where they die in the plane crash? That Marshall. Oh, Spoiler Jack alert. Jack. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? Spoiler alert for this Christmas Day massacre by Buffalo. I'm squids going Buffalo. <laughs> okay. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to have to go Buffalo too because I only know one thing about either of them. And I know Buffalo has like one of the best running backs in the country. So I'll go Buffalo. Buffalo right, well, Bulls, tra- right? Tra- I think that's what they're called. Are you called. tracking the squid? Wait, can, like can we get confirmation of what the what a camellia is in the camellia bowl? The camellia is a flower, a plant. So I guess similar to the rose bowl, just oh. not not as exciting. Not as it's the <laughs> it's the Walmart version of the rose bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's the ugly stepsister of the of the rose bowl. <laughs> Sam, that used to be when we were in university. That was one of our greatest insults slash, um, like, bump ups of someone when they would be the Walmart version of said person. <laughs> so like, we'd call it. I guess the equivalent would be us calling someone like Tesco value. Yeah. Well, then when we went to Paris, then we adopted it to the Tesco version. That's what Tim used to say. But now you can get excited because we're going to go on a nice run of names here for these bowl games, and we're getting it kicked off with the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, and that's South Carolina <laughs> against UAB. What's UAB? Wait, wait, Sam, I want to let you know it's the South Carolina Gamecocks. <laughs> whilst whilst tempting this squid is agendered, <laughs> like say, what's UAB? Or who is UAB? What's it stand for? University of Alabama, Birmingham. I believe they're like the dragons or something. Let's do it. All right. I'll go against them on this. I'll I'll go Gamecocks. They're a whopping two and eight this season. So looking to turn it around after somehow making a bowl game at two and eight. All right. Up next, we got the lending tree bowl and that's being played between the, between Georgia state and Western Kentucky in case it influences anyone picks that's the Georgia state Panthers. So for Frank, on after his a uh, uh, Friday night light binges, that might be one he wants to pick. Or Sam, maybe your favorite, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Yeah, I'll go clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Up next, we have the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. And that's being played between Louisiana and the University of Texas, San Antonio. Louisiana. I will also go Louisiana. Now, this is the matchup we know that Frank has been most excited about, and that is the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl, and that's between Liberty and Coastal Carolina. Liberty? Where, Where are they based? Is there a town called Liberty or um, is it Liberty in Liberty, Pennsylvania? It's a small school in Pennsylvania. Oh, so it's small. Coastal Carolina. Mm, Okay. Also a small school in Myrtle Beach. Let's go Liberty. Oh, he tried to throw you off the scent there, Sam. That might have been a mistake. I'm all over Coastal Carolina. The well uh, the, the Chanticleers, is that how you say it? They're like a rooster or a cock or something like that. <laughs> 11-0, 12, 12 ranked in the nation. 
feeling disrespected that they weren't invited to the college football playoff. Well, things are about to heat up with a, a few highly seated teams over the next few matchups and things really get exciting on December 29th in the cheese it bowl between <laughs> when Oklahoma state <laughs> take on Miami. Uh, Oklahoma state. I don't know. I have no idea if I'm doing well here. It's just funny. <laughs> oh, we don't know until the games are played. <laughs> I will go with the Miami hurricanes. Do you disagreement there? Who will be making their last stand in the Valero Alamo Bowl when Texas takes on Colorado? As much as I want to go against Sam Ellinger because he is just a turd to watch play, I think Texas is the overall better team. I'll have to go Texas. Now, on December 30th, Frank will be wrapping up 2020 by smothering himself in condiments. And he'll also be watching Duke's Mayo Bowl, where Wake Forest play Wisconsin. <laughs> Wake Forest all the way. Don't even know where it is. They're that good. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina, Demon Deacons, and with Winston Salem. Well, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to go the Wisconsin Badgers. Love that run game. Up next. Sam, I've got good news for you. No matter how gender fluid you're feeling on the, at the end of the year, you're going to be just fine in the Transperfect Music City Bowl when Iowa plays. Wait, Transperfect? Yeah. No way. Why is that? They're, 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 uh, so the company I work for, they're our biggest competitor. <laughs> well, they are sponsoring a bowl game. They're doing better than you. So Transperfect Music City Bowl, Iowa versus Missouri. Let's go, Iowa. I will also go, Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, 2020 has been awful. Will it wrap up in a nice way in the good year Cotton Bowl when Oklahoma plays Florida? Oklahoma. This is a tough one. It's actually the first legitimately good game I think you've you've said. You got two pretty good offenses. Um this is tough. Oklahoma at times looked really good this year and other times looked like shit. Florida, I think has lost two in a row. I'll go Oklahoma just on that fact that I think they're hotter at the end of the year right now. All right. Now will a fight break out in the Lockheed Martin armed forces ball where Tulsa plays Mississippi state. <laughs> um, Mississippi. I will go with the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa. Another disagreement. Now, Frank, here's a question. Will you be attending the Arizona Bowl in Tucson where Ball State plays San Jose State? I will not be attending. I have yet to attend any Arizona Bowl, although this one turns out to be probably the best one they've ever had because they have one of the what, four undefeated team, five undefeated teams in the country in San Jose State? Oh, you gave that clue away before you, Sam was able to make or, his pick. Or did I do it to influence them? Uh, I mean, Ball State, what, is, a, is there a place called Ball? It's just your, <laughs> or are they, or are they just literal for the sport? 
Isn't that your nickname on weekends? Uh, balls deep, not ball state. <laughs> They're the ball state smallcocks. Uh, no favorite. I'm going San Jose. I'll also go San Jose State. Undefeated. Well, an interesting matchup. You gave you gave too much away with that one, Frank. That yeah. that felt like an easier one for the squid. That's okay. Ball State's things, five and one. Try to keep things quiet in the AutoZone Liberty Ball, where West Virginia will be playing Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, Sam, come on! You got to get in the zone, AutoZone, and choose West Virginia. The Mountaineers, baby. Now this is the. Mercari. I'm not sure if that's Texas Bowl, Arkansas against TCU. Clarification on TCU, please. Texas Christian University. Correct. Ah, yeah, religion trumps all. TCU all the way. They'd really accept your lifestyle there. Oh, good. You <laughs> said the name right. <laughs> I'll also go TCU. Now, Sam, speaking of places where your lifestyle would definitely not be accepted, I'm afraid you would not be allowed to enter the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl where Cincinnati plays Georgia. Chick-fil-A. Oh, yes. I was wondering, like, why wouldn't you be let in? But I forgot about Chick-fil-A not being yeah. the, the nicest of companies. Wait, who's, who's playing? It is Cincinnati versus Georgia. Ah, uh, see, Bengals If this influences team. you in any way, Sam... Just so you are aware, this game is being played in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going Georgia. I like Cincinnati and NFL, so I'm going to go against them in college football. This is a really tough one because obviously Cincinnati is one of the undefeated teams that, you know, they really made a push to to try and make the, the final four. They did get a New Year's Day Bowl, but I definitely feel they feel slighted um but georgia is just a you know they're they're an sec big strong powerhouse team haven't been that great this year but it's a tough matchup you know i'm gonna go i'll go underdog i'll go cincinnati i'll go bearcats to to keep it going have the undefeated season so that way they can really really stick it to the to the committee interesting now is this verbo citrus bowl is that how you say it vrbo verbo Auburn I think you just say VRBO. Is it? Auburn believe, versus I Northwestern. I don't even know. Oh, like where, where is Northwestern? That could be anywhere <laughs> in the uh, Northwest. Chicago. Chicago. Right, and Auburn, where's that? Georgia. Ah, just back to Georgian team. Let's go again. Yeah, Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn's look pretty shitty this year. Northwestern. Gave Ohio State a decent run, a lot better than I thought they would. So I'll stick with Northwestern. Now things really get heated. We have officially entered the two bowl games that make up the college football playoff semifinals. The first of which is the Rose Bowl, where Notre Dame will be playing Alabama. Frank, you're Notre Dame, right? You talk about them a lot. Is that is that your team? He's just obsessed. He went no, but Sam, do not let this influence you in any way. Focus on the team names: Notre Dame and Alabama. Alabama. 
I thought it was going to fall into that trap. <laughs> you don't. I thought we were going to have to squid into the fish trap. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually a Notre Dame fan when I was younger. I did a report in second grade on Joe Montana. He was just obsessed with Catholic priests. Well, they were just obsessed with me. <laughs> it was mutual. I will also go Alabama. Personally, I think this is complete bullshit that Notre Dame gets in this fourth slot after losing to be discussed later. <laughs> Don't want to give will, it away. Yeah. Let's talk about say, it after. <laughs> just because these are the playoffs, I will also make my picks. And I'm also taking Alabama. And I agree with Frank that there is no reason for Notre Dame to be in this game. We'll go into it in more, more details later, but for now, the other semifinal, the All-State Sugar Bowl, where Ohio State will be playing Clemson. No way do they call it the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> uh, Clemson have Lawrence, right? So, Oh, my God. Uh, he's got some uh, college I, football I, knowledge. I know. This is, this is like Holy the only shit. squid knowledge. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going with Clemson. So this, for me, is solely just a stick-it-to-them pick. And I'm going to go Ohio State because I, after Dabo Sweeney's comments these past few days, I just want to see them get fucking massacred and lose. I'm tired of Dabo Sweeney. I'm tired of the whole Clemson not playing everybody and thinking they're the greatest team in the history of teams. So I will go Ohio State. They lost very close to them last year, probably one of the games of the year. That was great. Couldn't come through. Hopefully this year, Field steps up a little more. Hasn't played great but hopefully he can step it up and beat Clemson. Yeah, I'm torn because I agree with you. I'd really like to see Clemson lose, and I'd particularly enjoy to see them lose before making it to the championship game. I also don't have a soft spot for Ohio State, but you know, a team that I pay more attention to than most, so would be happy to see them make the uh, college football championship game. I'm going to pick Ohio State, but it is very much my heart picking over my head in this one. I think I think Clemson will probably win, but I'm going to pick Ohio State. Now, this is like we talk about this sometimes as well. This is a bet where I am completely fine picking Ohio State. And even if they lose, I would not be angry just because I couldn't put money on Clemson because I want to see them lose. Yeah, I'm in the same camp as you. So for... Sam obviously won't have known, but for some other people, um, they released the top four teams that obviously make this playoffs and Ohio state was number three and they had went six and oh, but only played six games. Whereas every other team had played at least 10, or actually at least 11 games. And Dabo Sweeney, the coach of Clemson was super critical of this one. He is part of the coaches poll that USA today does. And he ranked Ohio state at number 11 on his poll which is an absolute fucking joke. And he then came out and said that it's basically, you know, like how can you judge a team that's only played six games versus teams that played 11? It's really not fair. And one of his quotes was, it's almost like you've got to have 120 hours to get a business degree. And yet these people over here only need 60 hours to get a business degree. The main issue here is it's not as if Ohio State chose to only play six games. You're in the middle of a pandemic where you have some schools 
who, let me say, in the big in the Big Ten are a lot smarter and trust science and listen to people in their universities versus other universities like the SEC who don't believe in the pandemic or things going on and decided to play through the whole year where the Big Ten decide to take it easy, let see how things go and then put in better protocols. It's not Ohio State's fault that other teams also had too many people test positive that they had to cancel games. I mean, it's such an illegitimate argument it actually makes me pretty angry and it makes him look bad that he's diminishing the pandemic and all of the thought process and effort that went into that. That really pisses me off. But then he makes the, I think a really dumb statement. He says, I think anytime you step in between the lines, the game of football, there's a lot that can happen a lot. I mean, heck in 2017, we lost to a three win or four win Syracuse team and still went to the playoffs. So anything can happen. So in that sense, then what you're saying is even if they played 10 games and still lost, they could still be in it because they lost to a shitty team, but they're still in it. So your argument doesn't even make sense because your only argument is they didn't play enough that maybe they got caught and lose to a shitty team. But you just said that you did that and you still made it. So overall, I just don't like him after this and I hope they lose. The other thing that's weird about it to me, the confidence that they overall comes out of Clemson it's weird to me that they wouldn't want to be saying kind of the opposite of like, Oh, okay. We're going to, we want to play Ohio state and we want to show that we're way better than than them and that they don't deserve to be in the playoffs or whatever. Like the fact that they're not, even if you want to take kind of the same sort of attitude that you're not doing in the reverse of like, all right, bring them on. We're going to expose them. Like we're going to show that this is a joke that you're like a six, like the fact that it kind of feels almost like you're wanting to dodge the game it's part of the issue yeah and then obviously the other talking point is that notre dame was slotted in at number four after getting their asses handed to them by clemson i don't know if that's the correct terminology to use but they were very very exposed to clemson and their argument is that they beat clemson earlier in the year without trevor lawrence and without half their defense due to covid so when you put the teams at full strength clemson is above and beyond the better team so one you've now lost a game against a good opponent so does that drop you out of the top four but the other thing to me that i think is that was basically the week before the playoffs started and it's almost as in a playoff a play in game to the playoffs and you lost that play in game by losing to one of the top four teams so then why do you get another chance at the playoffs i i just don't think it was fair i kind of understand that there's not many other great candidates. I mean, maybe you put Texas A&M in, but they also got smoked pretty bad by Alabama. Um, do you then put in a two loss Oklahoma team or do you go with the undefeated Cincinnati? I mean, I would have liked to see Cincinnati just because, you know, maybe it makes for a good story at least, you know, either they get blown out by Alabama or even if they keep it close, I think it makes a good story. And, you know, I always look back to that Boise state game against Oklahoma and that's probably one of the best, college football games of the past 30 years. And that was a major underdog playing, you know, the powerhouse in Oklahoma. And maybe that happens one time out of 20, but it'd be cool if it's good, you know, at least give it the opportunity. Yeah. I'm a little torn. Cause do you want the kind of March madness Cinderella story and you get the underdog upsetting the other team, but then, you know, 49 times out of 50, Alabama just slaughters them by 45 points. And it's just like, well, that was a waste of time. 
So I'm a bit torn as to how I would handle it if I was uh, on the committee. But I guess I'll save it. We can make our then prediction as to who we think will be national champions. But there are a few bowl, bowls taking place on January 2nd. So we can wrap up the picks for those. And first up, got the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, where North Carolina State is playing Kentucky. Kentucky. Uh, I'll go NC State. And then it's on to the Outback Bowl, where Ole Miss will be playing Indiana. Where who, sorry? (laughs) Ole Miss, (laughs) Mississippi. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. Spelled O-L-E. Haven't, yeah. haven't I, haven't... That is I actually their name. It wasn't like kind of I thought I'd already taken Mississippi. This is the thing, right? There's like Mississippi Two separate State. schools. Two, yeah, Mississippi. Yeah, two separate schools. Yeah, it's just, I, I always keep hearing the same name, so I get confused what I've heard them before. But yeah, let's go Mississippi again. Okay, All I right. will go Indiana. Six and one, played a pretty good season. All right. F- Sam, I know you're a an Xbox fanboy, but who were you picking the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl? Will it be Oregon or Iowa State? Uh, Iowa. This is a tough one. Uh, Oregon did not look that great this season and then just went out and beat USC undefeated to win the Pac-12. Iowa State... They're a team that always is decent, but they can never just get over that hump. You know, they can never beat everyone in the Big 12 to win the Big 12. This is tough. This is a close game. I'll go, I'll go with the Ducks. I'll go with the with my Pac-12 love. All right. And then the final ball game ahead of the national championship. Got the Capital One Orange Bowl, where Texas AM will play North Carolina. Frank gave me some intel on Texas A&M. So I'm going Texas A&M. I will also go Texas A&M. Kellen Mund is having a great year. The squid's got a little notebook. Squid's got a little notebook. (laughs) The the point is that I'm just going to remember all of these and just evolve into this incredible picking machine in like five years' time. (laughs) Now here's a quote. So then, all right, Sam. Uh, Sam, who is your national champion then? Based on your predictions, you had Clemson playing Alabama in the national championship game. Who is winning it? Clemson. Oh, he's he's gone for Trevor Lawrence. Frank, you have Ohio State playing Alabama in the national championship game. Who do you think will win it? Roll Tide. That's Alabama, Sam. And I am also going to take Alabama to win the national championship. The squid versus the humans of the Big Chill podcast. <laughs> well, we will see quite a few. Like, that's a decent sample size of games there. So we will see if you can beat Frank in this one. Yeah, Frank with no warning. <laughs> right off the no, 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 on, no, Frank. no. You watch college football every Saturday. <laughs> yeah, but I don't watch New Mexico State and North Texas. I asked for clarification okay. on what some of the universities were called. 
I think he also <laughs> thinks that North Carolina have played in like they're going to play in like eight of these bowl games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of these teams are going to be absolutely exhausted by the end of yeah. this. Like, I couldn't even tell you where half of these are based. <laughs> All right, and Sam. Final squid, the NBA season kicks off again. You obviously did pretty well in making your predictions for the NBA playoffs. Just wanted to get your feeling on what you think might happen in the NBA regular season. So just thought I would can if we could get a quick division winner pick. So in the Atlantic division, who do you think will win? You've got the option of the Philadelphia 76ers, the New York Knicks, the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics, or the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, Raptors. Interesting. Very tight division. So as long as you didn't pick the Knicks there, who are the 150 to one outsiders, the other four are all priced relatively close. The Raptors are technically the fourth favorites, but they are four to one. So by no means considered out of it from a betting standpoint the central division yeah the indiana pacers the chicago bulls the detroit pistons the cleveland cavaliers or the milwaukee bucks who do you think will win Giannis plays for the bucks he if does, i'm remembering yes. i'm gonna go for the bucks good thing there because they are an incredibly heavy favorite at one to 33 to win that division so you would have been picking a wow. huge upset if you'd gone anywhere else you then have the Northwest Division, where you have the option of the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trail Blazers, the Denver Nuggets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who do you think will win? The Denver Nuggets. The squid liked in the playoffs last time, I think. So I'm going to keep going on that Denver bandwagon. I think I even said it that... There was momentum with Denver, and I'm going to keep that momentum going like the squid remembers. The squid has sniffed out another divisional favorite there. The Denver Nuggets are five to six favorites to win the division. Now the Pacific Division. <laughs> I love it. Maybe one of the strongest divisions in the league. Who do you think you're going to win? is going to win. You have the LA Lakers, the LA Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, and the Sacramento Kings. Lakers are obvious, but the squid don't like obvious. There must be this thing like, do you, okay, question about the NBA. If you, if you, you don't have to win to just go into the playoffs, right? Is it like top two, top three? Like what's the. So no, you, you're correct that you don't have to win. It is the top eight teams from the Eastern conference and the Western conference. Sorry, the top. Yeah. Okay. Could. The Lakers just seem so obvious, but I don't know that whenever you win in pre in most places I know or things like that, sometimes people retire. I would have no idea if anyone's retired. Um, so I'm going to go Phoenix Suns. Wow, the squid is predicting a huge upset in the <laughs> Pacific Division, where he is taking the twenty-two to one Phoenix Suns to win the division. Look out! Look out! Here surprises. comes Phoenix Suns rising. I just honestly, it could have been so easy to go Lakers, but a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, unsurprisingly, the LA Lakers, defending NBA champions, 
who have just re- extended the contracts of both LeBron James and Davis are five to seven favorites. The Clippers are seven to five second favorites. The Golden State Warriors 13 to one as they continue to get hit by injuries. The young up and coming Phoenix Suns are 22 to one and Sam the Squid's pick. And then the outsiders, the Sacramento Kings, it's 70 to one. Now we move on to the Southeastern Division. You have the option of the Atlanta Hawks, the Washington Wizards, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, or the Charlotte Hornets. Heat. Sam the Squid rode the Heat all playoffs long. He was a Heat believer from early on, and they are one to three to win that division. So he has once again sniffed out a favorite. And then the final, the Southwest Division, where you have the option of the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Memphis Grizzlies, or the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs. San Antonio Spurs. Another upset alert here where (laughs) Sam Sam the Squid has picked the rank outsider in the San Antonio Spurs, who are 25 to 1 to win that division. The Dallas Mavericks are 10 to 19 favorites. The Houston Rockets, 7 to 2. The New Orleans Pelicans, 6 to 1. Memphis Grizzlies, 12 to 1. And then the Squids pick the Spurs at 25 to 1. Damn it, I remember the Mavericks now. <laughs> this squid's got a bad old memory. And then finally, just before the season gets underway, who's winning it all, Sam? Who is winning the NBA title? Heat. Miami Heat. I'm going for Miami Heat. <laughs> the squid has picked another outsider here with Miami Heat at 17-1 to 1 to win the NBA title. Right. At least they're not favorite. tragically. At least they're not like tragically outsiders, right? <laughs> like, or, not uh, tragically, no, but <laughs> unlikely. That is quite impressive. Let it be known that if any of this transpires, big networks, big podcasts come up. Yeah, I mean, me. here's here's the thing with your, a couple of the predictions you've made. There, you might have re- do, kind of Sam, you ruined your reputation as a squid. But if it does come off, you have firmly cemented your rep- reputation as the squid. This squid will like elevate into godlike squid status. Let's cool down about yourself wow. here. You go, you go through the roof. <laughs> You'll suddenly become the all being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just just imagining just this squid with a gradually like inflating <laughs> like head. <laughs> As it just elevates out of the water the, with like this tenta- beam of light on it. All the tentacles remain exactly the same size or legs, whatever they officially are called with a squid, but just just a huge, just trying to drag its massive head along the bottom of the ocean. Cranium. So now here's the issue that Sam's going to run into. If he is successful as we keep going through our podcast, it will come to a point where he then gets himself put on maybe a t-shirt. And then who knows one day Frank wears that t-shirt and there goes Sam hit by a bus while we're crossing the street. <laughs> Wait, whatever happens to the squid happens to me. <laughs> yeah. You are the squid. So if, you, yes. if he Duca curses the squid, you're done. Damn it. so you're you're walking a fine 
in line here. <laughs> <laughs> now, Frank, I know we're we're wrapping up 2020, and I guess in our final episode of the year, we might take a closer look at what 2020 might bring. But I know you had a quick wish list of what you want to happen in 2021. Do you, do you care to share it with us? <laughs> well, it was just a small wish list I put I put together. Um, well, first off, I'd love to win a nice actual parlay because I don't know the last time I've won one that was for over a hundred dollars. It is a reassuring uh, yeah. piece of piece of information for any of our listeners who've been in any way following your bets of the week. <laughs> but my bets of the week have won three weeks in a row. Yeah, I've now won time, two in a row. This time you. I won't say you got lucky, but in the sense, Aubameyang didn't play once again, voiding half of your bet. <laughs> but still winning. You picked him, you injured him, and you benefited from that. Like... <laughs> I, w- I should have just done Lewandowski to get a brace. That would have been a nice one. But Number two on my list is to actually win a teaser again. <laughs> Because I haven't won a teaser bet since I think like week eight. <laughs> I'm, starting That's impressive. No- I'm starting to notice a trend here, Frank. <laughs> well, cl- close on that trend is number three. I hope Get the Jets bus falls dip. off a cliff. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I hope the Jets take their return trip from New York City and just fall right off the bridge. Now, here's the thing is you've. Duke accursed yourself probably in that process. So that bus will probably just fall right onto you. Well, that brings me to number four. I hope the Rams bus also falls off that same cliff. (laughs) 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 And I, and, and I hope I have this lasting image of Jared Goff looking like a doofus in his helmet as it crashes to the ground. (laughs) I love that Goff would be wearing his helmet on a bus. (laughs) It would be very Jared Goff of him. Here's the question. Is this going to annoy you, though, Frank? Jared Goff, right? He is the Walmart Ryan Gosling. Yeah, he could be a Walmart version of Ryan Gosling. Where it's like, slightly, he looks decent, but then slightly, you're like, he looks like a major doofus. (laughs) Like, 100%, if in any way, Jared Goff deserved to have a movie made about him, which will never happen. But hypothetically, if he... Until that bus goes off the cliff. uh, Ryan Gosling would play him, right? Yeah. I mean, and Ryan Gosling has football movie experience. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I guess you could call it that. I mean, Frank, the great thing for you in 2021 is considering the Duke of Curse, if you just go on the news and see like a hundred dead in Rams Jets cliff tragedy, (laughs) at least you know you're winning your parlay and teaser. No, 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 he won't get those. One and two won't happen, but but the Jets and the Rams will all die. Hundreds of devastated families, and he still loses his teaser bets. At number five, Frank? Royal Ascot 2021. What, to go or for... <laughs> Just to happen. <laughs> well, one, to happen, yes, but two, for, for us to be able to attend it again. That's really the only thing on my wish list. I like that's a that's a positive end to your wish list. After yeah. after hoping for massive deaths, at it's, least this is 
It's in that order as well. <laughs> so if number five does happen and we do a 10 Royal Ascot, I'll still be slightly disappointed that the Jets made it home successfully. All right. Maybe there's a little recency bias in that slight. outlook for 2021. I think slight, yeah. <laughs> Let's give it one more week and maybe it'll be another team. <laughs> okay, next episode we can see who's, who's made your bus death wish list. No, I also think one of the other things is I'd like another good Super Bowl. I mean, I think that one last year was a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, I, honestly, as long as the Chiefs are in there, I think it'll be entertaining. But it, it's always really nice because the Super Bowl here is an event, right? So no matter what, I guess maybe not this year, but you know, most times you're doing something, you're usually going out, you're with some friends, you know, you've got some drinks, good food, things like that. So that part of it's always nice, but it's much better to be able to complement that with an actual game that's exciting. Because even what I do like about it is even people who aren't big football fans will still get into it and enjoy it. And it just creates a good atmosphere wherever you're at, you know, but if it's a shitty game, then it you, you lose the atmosphere really quickly. And then it just becomes like, well, these wings were pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if it isn't high quality, I would still, first and foremost, I want a close game. I don't want to blow out. Agreed. If the Chiefs turn up and they look amazing and they win 49 to zero, I'm not interested. Like, I'd take the Rams Patriots Super Bowl from a few years ago, which was boring, but at least it was close and it kept you interested until the fourth quarter. Yeah. So here's a question. Was the Falcons Patriots a good Super Bowl? Kind of no. Because it's like 85% of it was not that good. Like the only reason I'll say it was good was because the first half was really enjoyable. Like I wanted the Falcons to win. So that was great. Like there was that element of like, wow, the Falcons look great. Uh, then it turned into a great game. Now I know one person who was definitely going to think it was very good was Sam, who I think hit a pretty nice in running bet on the on the Patriots to win. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but it but the unfortunate thing is that it, it turned into a good game because the Falcons became so bad. <laughs> yeah, and also only yeah. briefly into a good game. You are talking about like fundamentally like eight minutes of it being a good game. Like it wasn't that yeah. long. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the playoffs in general this year are going to be very good. We, every week we talk about it besides the chiefs. I don't really know who would be my next pick to win the super bowl. Washington. They win their next two. They get a home tie in the playoffs. <laughs> like they are, they are going you're, all the way. <laughs> you're just, you're just trying to, to bait me into to calling them by their former name. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wasn't. Oh, s- speaking of which, heard another person on the radio today call them the football team. It's still relentless, never ending. So I guess given it's the holiday season, we should probably finish on a, a nicer note, maybe give our, give our fans and audience a little glimpse into some of our traditions. So Eddie, I know you're up with your family what's the christmas tradition that you guys do is there anything in particular or besides your christmas crackers that's about it 
so I think there is only one tradition we have, which is like a unique Hewitt family tradition, which is that during our Christmas day meal, when the dessert is coming, so in particular the uh, Christmas pudding, which comes in set on fire, right? Like it's a light, got alcohol poured on it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> You know, no, no, no. That you he's, like... he's right. You you pour brandy on it and set the brandy on it. It's just like any panicking sequence. No. Year after Is... year, can't Wait, stop can, it. Every year. Can, can I get clarification? Is the Christmas pudding like a bread pudding, or is it like a it's... pudding, um, like, like an actual gelatin kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's like uh, a. I think it's like a boiled cake, isn't it? And it's got yeah, it's... like um, currants so, and raisins okay. and. It's it's not good. Like let me tell you so it's much. more of a cake not a cream like you would consider an american pudding no no no. it's a cake no it's a cake okay it's a cake for gotcha. sure um so that's set on f- that's a light and it's brought in brought to the table and as it is brought to the table um everyone in attendance is told to pipe it into the table so we hold our noses and you tilt your head back and then you kind of start like humming out of your mouth so it's kind of like a ah noise and then you hit yourself in the throat so you make a bagpipe kind of noise and then proceed to all play the same song to sit as like ceremony of bringing the dessert to the table what it's sam very... does this make sense to you or no 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 it's Frank, I, to... I don't know where to start <laughs> <laughs> okay i thought you're gonna be like no that's pretty it's pretty traditional oh, yeah yeah i i do that all the time <laughs> no no it's super unique to my family i will say do you know the origin i think my dad's done it his whole life i i need i need a better explanation i don't really understand what the hell you're Eddie, talking could about you, could you do the noise on the podcast please that's like Ah, like that noise, but then you <laughs> you keep going. And what's the song? Um, I Ariana Grande. God. No, I'm trying to think of what the name of the song is. Yeah, it's, it's Ariana a, Grande. Positions. <laughs> Gaga, bad romance. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's what we do. I think that's the only really unique tradition that we have and there is a truly unique yeah because there, there is the usual christmas tradition where you put like what is it like five pounds in the pudding and then uh you, you slice up the christmas <laughs> i thought you i thought it was a note you put and a note in the christmas pudding. trinkets a note which is get all soggy and disgusting <laughs> I mean, it's, it's well, not anymore, right? We've got that plastic money now. <laughs> yeah, now the plastic money, okay. But, but also, um, if not too, people joke about the risk, right, of eating, like biting into the coin or into the trinket, but you might just eat the note and not notice it. You can just like <laughs> chop it up and eat it. Sam, how about you? Do you have a. Eddie, wait, real quick. Are, are you on land rollers when you do this? Just doing a noise, rotating around the table. Yeah, I'm on a show. <laughs> it's like Starlight Express. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting tradition, Eddie. I have to admit. Yeah, it's oh, good. My, I've got. Speaking of which, actually, my, my my land rollers are here. I had to break those out oh, over wow. the Christmas period. 
And you know what? You're you're by the beach and the beach is probably really cold. You might be able to land roll on the beach. Do you have oh, any I... really short badminton shorts as well? <laughs> white, white badminton shorts. Always. I, I wear them constantly under everything I wear. Now that is the content this podcast needs, Eddie. I could be like that guy who went viral drinking the cranberry juice on the longboard. It could just be me uh, land rolling down a beach with like a song playing in the background and I'll drink, I'll drink some, uh, I some want you cider. to be just, I want you to just be pouring milk over yourself. <laughs> Whilst doing the noise. <laughs> I want you to just be land rolling down the beach, just pouring milk on yourself as you wear short, short white badminton shorts. You know what? If I thought that my I could confidently land roll pretty well at the moment, but I haven't skated at all in, I think, six, seven years, I would do that for you. But because of the fact that I know I would just fall over, there's I'm not going to even attempt it. It's not often I say this, but please, can you do, please can you do one this one thing for the podcast? Like end twenty like one point like nearly one point eight million people have died of COVID this year. Can you bring twenty twenty one in with a land roller bang? <laughs> no, because that would almost make it worse for them and their families because they would think, "How did they die before this happened?" You can roll in to twenty twenty one on a high note, <laughs> pouring milk all over himself. Yeah, cleansing himself. But no, uh, no traditions. Like all, all of them are pretty generic things. Like we go down to a local pub on Christmas Eve, or there's like a couple of hour period where we go down to the pub. Um, in terms of food, it's all Sam's family's stuff. Yeah, I, oh mean, I was gonna say I, <laughs> we don't go to the pub three times in a one day span during Christmas. <laughs> I mean, my dad owns pubs, so it's always been in our family. So you gotta go. Like, go to pubs. You gotta go. You gotta help out the uh, other publicans. I mean, you. But no, none of that's gonna happen this year because I don't know if you've seen it, Frank, but the UK is about four days away from collapsing at the moment as an entity. <laughs> Like, like France, France has closed the borders. There's a new mutant strain of COVID that's apparently 70% more transmissible. And um, we're due to leave the EU in about 10 days and no one actually knows what we're doing. So yeah, it's been um, it's been good knowing you all. I'm just going to bunker down whilst the Southeast oh, turns into Mad Max. <laughs> in fairness, right? Like I've not been one of those. Now, Sam, you were a COVID conspiracy theorist for a long time. I've personally not. <laughs> I love that little dick you just said. <laughs> yeah, one little dick just saw the Arsenal knife and he went, you know what? There's an inch I can just jab further with a new knife. <laughs> I've personally not been, not agreed with all your conspiracy theories, but you do have to say if they're trying to push Brexit through and they're trying to get a hard Brexit to go in, bringing in a pandemic forces them to physically shut down all ties to Europe. That's a that's a real Brexit. I mean, that's a long game as well, right? You know, it's like the Democrat thing, right? You you go, we need to start a we need to start a pandemic. Let's go to a fish market in central China. 
<laughs> and see this really uh, two, balloon two things out. I'll say about the never underestimate the Nigel Farage Boris Johnson brain trust and also I'm sure that Nigel Farage has been to multiple fish markets in China and creating a strain of a, of a SARS virus would probably be the least offensive thing he'd done during a fish market visit. <laughs> he just weirdly looks like a fish as well. Just... He does. <laughs> he does kind of look like a fish. Does that I mean, intimidate that... you because you're a squid? Does it? Is it like a little bit of a rivalry there? No. Squids don't see color, gender, creed. <laughs> Whereas fish seemingly are just racist. <laughs> there we go. That's my 2020 inclusion. All fish are racist. Which, what, which fish do you think would be the most racist? The question is so far out that my brain is struggling to even remember types of fish to even get to your point. <laughs> like, it's just like, because it's going, you know, fish. And then it's adding the qualifying question of, yeah, but which one looks racist? <laughs> like, I'm going to just... go, I'll go either the shark or tuna because just they general live... shark you gotta give me a you gotta give me Wait, a speech tuna. Shark. um okay i'll go either blue shark or yellowfin tuna because they live relatively long lives so as they get older they just become more and more racist <laughs> for a barracuda they just look like nasty little things that they've got those horrible jaws and teeth they look like they'll spout so much hate from them that's a good one too what about you eddie goldfish hammerhead shark clearly oh no no one's gonna ask me if i have traditions (laughs) oh frank please let us know your traditions i love how you Ask the question to be set up for your own answer. No, actually, I didn't ask it to be set up, but I thought as a, as a group, we would be interested in each other's traditions. Uh, racist fish um, is kind of interesting, but no, Frank, please, pray tell. Pray tell your traditions. I don't think I actually have any traditions. <laughs> and that's it for the big job. Oh, actually, no, 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 no. <laughs> I take it back. We do have one very corny tradition. I forgot about that. Every year at my grandparents, we do Christmas Eve. And before we eat dinner or no, after we eat dinner, but before we open gifts, we sing the 12 days of Christmas and we have bells and everything and everyone has to get a bell. And it used to be like the thing would be, you'd get to the house very early and take a high number bell and hide it. And then that would be your bell. So you didn't have to sing the entire time. And then if you forgot, you would then get stuck with like number one or number two. So you'd have to sing the entire time. And it's, we start with one, then work our all the way up. Like that is then long. Do two, then do three. It takes <laughs> a very long time. Yep. And it's the full, full verse on the first day of like the whole thing. And then on the second day, and then it's like every day. I and then when you get to the twelfth day, then everyone sings it. I've got to say that's mildly insane. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it goes a lot quicker than you think 
because we know now, I mean, we've done it my entire life. So we speed it up as much as possible so that we can be done with it. Are people in your family good singers? No. Okay. So it's just terrible. Yeah. It's just kind of talking loudly and ringing a okay. bell. So just oh, you, you put it like so just that, your it really normal, captures the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just your your normal existence plus a bell, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's actually just uh, our family just talking in a normal voice, <laughs> just ringing bells. Do you, um, just out of interest, do you like set yourself up to sing it? Like, do you create like a couple of banks of people? Do you go in a circle or do you just kind of sit around and sing it? We just all sit around a big table, but there's no particular order. So like a seance. <laughs> and also, can you explain to me, like, what do you do with the bell? It's like, so for instance, we did like 12. It'd be like on the 12th day of Christmas, I truly gave it to me 12 drummers drumming. And the person who was doing 12 at the time would ring their bell as they sing 12 drummers drumming. Okay. Do they, do they have to do 12 rings? And then if you do it. No, 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 no. It's like 12 drummers drumming, ringing as you're saying it. Are they different 11. pitch? Yeah, are the bells different pitches? Like someone's got like the Big Ben style bell. <laughs> no, to be honest, half the bells don't even have the little thing in the middle to ring. <laughs> but what, like, so one of the greatest presents I ever got my grandma was we had the set she had was just toast i mean there was like two bells that worked so i went on ebay one year and found an exact replica set of the same bells she had and bought them and it was like the greatest gift ever and now those are kind of broken as well and last year we did it oh no last year we did it in person i wonder what's going to happen this year we might have to do it over zoom now that that's gonna, be interesting with the with the lag that's going to be a real struggle <laughs> and people like not unmuting themselves and stuff yeah oh that will be interesting <laughs> to see if we do it yeah and it's it's yeah it's it's quite a tradition because then our family is known to just like bust each other's balls. So like while you're doing it, people are making fun of other people. And then we always have to get the, come on guys, we can do this. Come on, focus. <laughs> oh, it's like a prep talk for like a, a pep talk for like a game. Yeah. My, my grandparents don't like if we don't take it seriously. If you're going to do it, do it right. I guess. Do you already but get it has... shot or do you get like a, practice no we've never had to like start over before now that would be brutal <laughs> and like my grandfather always does number five that's his thing and it used to be he used to do number five with the youngest uh grandson i mean that's the that's the, that that's, Lords that's the epic one no, no it's, it's five, five gold rings, gold yeah. rings. It's the epic. <laughs> like, that's the that's the big one that's yeah. the obvious one okay uh, of them you have to have one of the presents. Which which one of the twelve presents do you want? I have. Oh, hmm. Oh, I need to kind of remember them now. Oh, it's twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping, ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings. <laughs> you even say four, it like that. <laughs> four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. And Sam, that's one you. thing. If if I ever had to go on trivia and I had my slumdog millionaire moment, that would be like the million dollar question, like on the tenth day of Christmas. 
<laughs> just in the back of my head, I'm just picturing myself ringing and ringing. <laughs> well, Frank, that would be like the thousand dollar question. But, I know yeah, that would but, be much. But Sam, just before you make your pick as to which of these gifts you like, we will allow you to change the maids of milking into men of milking if you prefer. <laughs> I actually thought that you were going to go with the pipers piping. <laughs> I, I I was waiting for the homophobic slur that you Lords are leaping. Or, yeah, Lords are leaping. <laughs> that was too uh, obvious. I mean, of course I'm gonna take the meta milking. I mean you're just gonna put over that five golden rings. Me. Well, you yeah, can sell off the golden them. rings. There's more milking men than there are gold rings. I'm a quantity man, Frank. I kinda like the maids of milking just because I like to imagine just like a bunch of maids just outside my house just constantly milking I mean, cows but, but also Frank think about the realities <laughs> think about the chaos of what is going on like you've got these swans running around you've got these milkers milking you've got these pipers all playing a random tune like this is chaos wherever they are oh well the, the pipers and the drummers are an obvious no because that would get unless you are allowed to send them off to annoy other people like people you disliked and then just randomly during the night there's just 12 drummers walking around their house drumming you don't want your own personal drum line right no that would get annoying real quick but i do just like the image of in my tucson backyard Next to the pool, there's just eight women with eight cows just milking 24-7. Poor cows. <laughs> what? Poor cows. You, you, I know. You, you only chose eight cows. You could have had a thousand cows. I don't know and if I can so fit a thousand eight in my backyard. Being, a, being yeah. milked to death. Fresh hell that you're giving these bovine creatures. <laughs> I mean... Is the geese laying a good thing? Are geese eggs good? I mean, I've had goose eggs. I don't know if I'd go out of my way to get to have them on unlimited supply. <laughs> I think. I the, mean, the golden rings are fundamentally the best present, right? Yeah, I think aesthetically, yeah. though, it would be nice to get the pear tree and the partridge, right? That'd be a nice aesthetic touch. But yeah, the gold rings. I mean, you sell them on eBay. You got money. You can't sell a pear tree. What would you do? You can sell the pears. Sam. You could sell the pears when life gives you pears. (laughs) Both of us live in apartments. What on earth would you do with a pear tree? Oh, oh, okay. So in this mythical land of Christmas rhyme, I still am grounded in my reality. (laughs) You you haven't moved to a mansion. You just had Frank Frank picturing... (laughs) Eight women milking cows by his pool in Tucson. You thought that he thought that you were going to. Hey, wait, to... wait! I want to add to it. Part of it then is going to be you and the land rollers, and them just pouring the milk back over you, <laughs> pouring it or like squirting it at me straight from oh, the udder. No, no, pouring it as you yeah. roll by them. They milk it out of the cow and just pour the bucket over you as you roll by. And it's a constant loop. You're just looping around too. You're yeah, you're, you're in you're in some like black mirror hell. <laughs> I, that you is say a black, black mirror hell. Just throw in a <laughs> cell phone or something. You are, yeah, you're in this reality where you're just playing out the gifts of Christmas. 
<laughs> you say Black Mirror Hell. I'm getting a little bit worried, Sam, that we might be listening to some extremely odd sexual fantasy that Frank has. <laughs> you know, it would be great watching one of my close friends get poured on with milk whilst he wears really tight shorts on roller skates. Really, but really fresh milk. I want to see. I want to see the cow itself get milked first, and then I want the women to pour it over him while he's on roller skates. Actually, that's where you're wrong, Eddie. It's not the image; it's the sound. I want to listen. I want to listen to that milking as it squirts into the bucket and as it gets poured over your body. <laughs> oh my god! Well, there we go. That's a fitting end to 2020. I think. All right, yeah, well, we can we can wrap it up there. I'll uh, I'll start getting the pasture ready outside. <laughs> bring bring your land rollers. <laughs> well, I'll practice. I'll make sure that I can also handle the slippery conditions. <laughs> well, talk to you boys later. Have a good holiday. Yeah, have, yes. have a Merry Sam enjoy Christmas, the pub five five days in a row. <laughs> Sam will be dead from alcohol poisoning by the next yeah. episode. Sorry. I know you like being wished a happy Christmas, Eddie. So happy oh, Christmas. God damn. <laughs> Happiest of Christmases, Eddie. Yeah. Thank you. And to you too. See ya. See ya. Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>